Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show and another installment of Bullet Points. This is our midweek catch-up and a chance to share a little bit with you about what's going on behind the scenes of the podcast. Now, this week has been so busy. My head is honestly spinning. And not least because I've started to do more in real life podcasts. And I haven't been hanging back from doing in-person podcast recordings. It just so happens that a lot of my guests, ever since COVID really happened, my sort of net has been cast a lot wider. And I'm podcasting, as you may have noticed, with a lot more people who are based in America or other parts of the world. So doing it in real life just isn't an option. But now uh, I'm getting out a little bit more and it's just very exciting, I have to say. And I've forgotten how much or how different it is because I really got into a groove with podcasting via Zoom, doing video calls. And I guess it sort of seemed weird, but I hadn't really uh, taken into account how much easier it is because when you're doing in real life podcasting, you have to check your kit. You have to make sure everything's got batteries. You have to make sure everything's charged. Have I got all my microphone stands? Are my microphone cables working? Plus there's getting the train and the tube and carrying everything. So it's a it's a completely different thing. And I forgot actually how much time it takes out of the day. So an hour long podcasting also probably involves around two to three hours of travel, which I don't mind. But it just makes me realize that uh, time was very, very different a little while ago. And things are changing, which I'm open to, don't get me wrong. But with all of that said, I'm so excited to be doing in-person podcasts again because it's just so good to look into people's eyes to really feel a connection and for a conversation to feel the way that it can only feel when it's two people chatting face to face in a room just with each other just it's just so so different and it's so pure I would say so anyway I'm excited for you to hear those conversations the ones that are still being recorded via zoom because of uh the fact that we're thousands and thousands of miles away from each other but also the ones that will be cropping up now where it's very much in person now for this week's bullet points I do have a treat if you follow me on Instagram you may have seen that a few weeks ago I had coffee and a catch-up with Amy Connolly who is the Amy behind the makeup brand sculpted by Amy I say makeup she is launching skincare or has launched some skincare and it was so interesting hearing how she has created her brand, built it up, overcome challenges, and really what lies at the heart of the products and who she made these products for. And I thought it's the kind of conversation you, my most excellent listeners, might like to hear. Not just because it might be interesting to hear about the products, but also what it's like having an idea for a brand, for example, and then putting one foot in the other to make your idea a reality. So in this conversation, we talk about where you even begin. How do you start a makeup brand? How Sculpted by Amy stood out from the crowd. How the product that's flown off the shelves really took her by surprise. How she's managed growth. She now has a team of over 20 people. And how age just 29, which is pretty young, let's face it, to be so established in business, she has had to get comfortable with being ambitious, not just being ambitious, but using the word ambitious and saying that's who I am and more. I really appreciated her honesty and I really loved getting, I've already chatted with it, with Amy. I've already chatted with Amy offline, if you like. And in this conversation, I really felt like I got to know her a lot better. And I hope that you 
find, I hope that by sharing these stories, you find value in what other people have gone through, have done in order to build their brands. And hopefully it might help you with any endeavors that you may have. So this is the kind of conversation I'm lucky enough to get to have with brand owners as part of my job. So I really hope that you enjoy it and I really hope you like me sharing it with you. The only way that I will know is if you uh, email me, thebeautypodcast at gmail.com, DM me on Instagram and Twitter, or I'm at Emma Guns, or you can always join the Facebook forum and give me your thoughts on this episode and others. So the links to Amy and the brand will be in the show notes, but please join me in getting to know Amy Connolly from Sculpted by Amy on The Emma Gunn Show. Well, this is a lovely opportunity to get to know the brand sculpted by Amy. And who better could I be joined by than Amy Connolly, the Amy in Sculpted <laughs> by Amy. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to have you here. And we caught up. Now, when did we catch up? It was a couple of months ago now. Yeah. And it's crazy how of, fast the year is going. It's absolutely like, crazy. And I can't make sense of time or space now that I'm seeing people again. <laughs> I know. It's all just one big blur. Yeah. Totally. But we had some frothy coffees and we chatted about the brand. We talked through some of the new products and it just really struck me how exciting this journey has been for you. It does seem like you are also an eternal optimist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you kind of have to be. I think when you're backing yourself for your own business, like there's so many things that could go wrong all the time, that if you just constantly focus on the risk side of things or the potential failures, you'll never do anything. So you have to kind of get your internal mental voice to kind of volume down a little bit so you can actually go forth and and try and do it all. Yeah, know the risk, but jump anyway, which is... uh, (laughs) yeah. Something I talked about on the podcast recently with an excellent uh, guest called Daniel Pink, all about the power of regret. And he was saying, it was one of his things that you just reminded me of, was he said, you have to have a bias for action. And that's pretty much what you're saying. It's just like, just do a bias for risk. Like, don't not live your life because of the risk. Live it and regret that. He definitely put it far more adequately than I did. So when, when we spoke, the brand is obviously established. People know about it. Like I just did a Q&A on my Instagram yesterday. And one of the questions that I haven't answered yet actually was sculpted by Amy, yay or nay, what do you think? And I was like, well, I was speaking to Amy. So I'll chat to her about it. <laughs> so let's just take a little bit of a step back. How old is the brand now? So the brand is about five and a half years old at this stage. So let's go back in time. Let's go back yeah. in time. And what started it? Because as that we all have ideas, but when mm-hmm. did it crystallize and become something? So I suppose my journey is is semi-unique in the sense that I actually didn't grow up going, I really want to be a makeup artist. I really want to have my own business. I actually wanted to be a teacher, loved the thought of teaching children or a subject that I was really passionate about. And then, so obviously I'm from Dublin and Ireland and our school system is like very similar, but slightly different to the UK in the sense that we have something called transition year when we're about 16 and you have to do a placement with a workplace during that time. And my placement ended up being extremely last minute with House of Fraser, and it was with Benefit Cosmetics inside. So I thought this was amazing. I literally wanted to chat and sell to anyone who would literally walk by my periphery and go, hi, come in here, try this blusher. It's great. So I had a brilliant time. I definitely thrived with customers. I probably sold them anything and everything um, within good reason because I really loved the products. And I was offered a part-time job across the way with Urban Decay. So I had that part-time job every single Saturday and Sunday for three years until after my leaving cert, people ended up like the A-levels. Um, 
I was kind of, you know, had done my time with Urban Decay at that time, went on to work part time with Mac, but all the while kind of finishing school and then starting my four year degree in business and French. So on one hand, I had like this great career building up and great experience on the makeup side. So I was like writing beauty. I was doing TV. I was doing weddings. I founded my own makeup academy. So while I was in my final year for business and French, I also studied teacher training and assessor certs. And um, so that was kind of nice because it was a bit of a 360 to bring my love of teaching together with makeup that I was, you know, had quite a lot of experience and, and passion for at that stage. Um, so really, by the time I graduated, I was 22. I'd been working in makeup for six years. So I was lucky that I got into it when I was so young. Mm. I felt I'd covered a lot of bases in it. I didn't want to leave it, but I also wanted to go to the next level with it. And for me, that was creating more of a business around it, which ultimately led me to the brand. Wow. God, that really, <laughs> that is unlike anything I've ever heard before. <laughs> There's so many layers to that business in French. Teacher I training. Do I use the French? Not one bit. However, it's nice to have. <laughs> No, I, I don't know if you can do what I can do, which is I can sort of understand things. Yeah. I can't, I couldn't form a sentence. It just, that's where it stops. My do you know what? The sentence for me is okay. It would be the writing. If someone told me to write a letter, like you used to have to do for your A-levels, I would be not a clue anymore. Goodness me. No, gosh, that's not that. I'm getting post-traumatic stress flashbacks. <laughs> French exams. Okay. So that's how the brand began. So did you sit down and think, right, I want to have these sorts of products or yeah. what in what in you wanted a brand that was established but wh- who were you making it for and what so products were you making my initial two products um and it's actually where the brand name came from with sculpted was a trio kind of contouring and shading palette but not like we'd probably associate the usual ones with it wasn't layered with creams it was a powder bronzer a cream highlighter and a powder highlighter so my main, I suppose, work within makeup was doing bridal parties. So I used to have a grand of the bride who was 92, the, the mother of the bride who might have been 65, the bride, and then the junior bridesmaid. So it was every single generation. So I knew whatever I created, I wanted to be able to suit my kit for those occasions. Because for the first few years, I was still heavily involved in that area. So this is at the time where contouring was kind of coming to the forefront with uh, the gorgeous makeup by Mario and Kim K. And it was like, all you need is these 16 different dots of five different foundations, <laughs> three different concealers, a brush and a sponge, and you're done in an hour. And people mm-hmm. would be like, this is mm-hmm. so confusing. So my ethos has always been the same, both from when I was doing freelance makeup and both now straight through to the brand five and a half years later, in that I always wanted to make, a bit, make it easier. So that kind of comes back to, you know, why I wanted to found the academy, why I like teaching people, trying to pair back, trying to simplify it. Because makeup is such an easy thing. And like with the smallest bit of change, you can feel so different in yourself, better, all that kind of stuff without making it too tricky. So the palette initially was really aimed at simplifying contouring for people. So cream highlight, I felt was really untapped at the time. And a lot of people were kind of scared and feared it outside of makeup artists, whereas actually it was the most beautiful finish, regardless if you were nine or 90. And I'm not saying that someone who's nine years old should wear makeup, but you know, you get the gist. It's banned the generation. Try sending a nine-year-old bridesmaid <laughs> down the aisle without like a little bit of something. I know. They always like to feel included. Yeah. Um, but with that palette, I also did a double-ended brush because, you know, when I'm teaching kind of where to place your bronzer, how low, how high it should go, all of it is actually centers a lot around the tool that you use and how confident you feel using that. So they were my first two products. So really I set out to try and create multi-purpose kits that simplified the whole process. So 
it wasn't necessary that there was one particular product I felt was missing. But when I used to stand on the Mac counter and I adored Mac, I had the most amazing experience there. I was like 19, full of beans, you know, ready to, to chat to anyone who came in. But <laughs> someone would come in and say, can I have a powder? And I'd be like, sure, we've 62 options. So what one would you like? And you could just see their eyes go, ooh, not mm. for me today. Mm. So yeah, I really wanted to break it down and make it simple. And that's genuinely our ethos right through today. So it's all about making makeup easier. Actually, that's such a good point. I think that's why translucent powder is in every single person's makeup bag because you just don't have to think about it. It, it, it will suit me. It's yeah, <laughs> exactly. It will be invisible. It'll all be fine. Uh, so on this five and a half year journey, I'd be really interested to know what the biggest lessons you've learned are. And I guess by that, I mean, have you hit brick walls? Have you had any failures? you're going to experience those sorts of things in business where you learn some pretty tough lessons. What do you think is the thing that has really defined your journey from that perspective? So I feel like (laughs) this makes it sound like a really negative experience. It's not. I adore what I do. I love the team. I love the brand. And I'm so excited by what's ahead of us. But like, I constantly feel like I'm firefighting. There are small issues that happen all the time. It's just the more kind of time you spend in the field and the longer you're here the big fires that felt initially like huge are now little small ones so you just get more used to it so I think the biggest thing that having my own business has taught me is resilience so I would be very much solution focused now like I would say to all the team do not come to with a problem if you don't have a plan b because there's no point sitting here and laboring over this has happened it's going to happen how do we find a detour and I think you know COVID taught that to the whole world like we basically turned our business completely virtual within two weeks and then we're like so lucky that we're at a size that we can do that and be really agile and that applies to loads of other areas so I definitely think problem solving has been a big one because like you said it's absolutely inevitable in any business in any field also a really interesting perspective is I've kind of grown up with this business so I started and launched when I was 23 I'm now 29 so I've also grown up both as a human and also as a manager so I now have a team of 22 And like, no one teaches you that. Do you know, I think I want to have this palette. I want to have this product. I know exactly what it's going to look like. I know the exact shade of rose gold I want on it. But no one tells you about all the other stuff that you have to know. So um, like, I'm really lucky and fortunate that I still own 100% of the business, didn't take any investment on. But there are times where you think, God, you know, would I have loved the support of a co-founder or an investor along the way? Because honestly, like you're making it up as you go. <laughs> like your gut tells you a lot, but like there are so many things that I did wrong. And like, like every brand goes through and every startup, like we've had financial pressures in the first few years where, you know, I was like, God, I'm going to be able to pay everyone. Um, and it's almost like every year of business becomes a different challenge. So right now for us, the biggest focus slash challenge slash opportunity is international growth. And I've never done that before. I've never scaled a business. So I'm really hoping that I'm backing myself the right way to do it. Well, you make a good point about something else, which I think is this idea that uh, you're aiming, you're working towards feeling happy all the time. Yeah. And actually, I think that's a, you can apply it to business, but I think you can also to apply it to life. And you can think, oh, I'm having a really stressful time at the moment and think that means that life isn't going well. But actually, that means that resistance is a good thing. That's part of the yeah. journey. And you have to experience those things to experience the good. And I love the way that you phrase it because it feels like actually you, you that's how you see the challenges and firefighting is actually this is going to get us to where we want to be. It's not about constantly like waking up in the morning, uh, getting out of bed, everything's perfect. And yeah, someone no, hands you a coffee and you kind of glide like you see in the movies. Like actually, 
I really like the fact for me personally, I love the fact that when people ask me about what I do for a living, I'm like, do you know what? Sometimes I really have to put my back into it. I love that I can say that. Yeah. I love that yeah, it's yeah. not easy all the time. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think like it's, and it, it sounds like a cliche, but it's so true. Any errors that have happened along the way, any failures I've made have always been the biggest learnings. So like, you know, anybody in any sort of experience of life will always share that, but it's genuinely the truth. And it's what kind of makes you even hungrier for it as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, they're, they're inevitable, but they're, they're not all that bad. And it doesn't seem as though, even though they might be happening, it doesn't seem as though it affects how you present I can't it doesn't seem like I mean I haven't spoken to the 22 people on your team but it doesn't seem like you'll come in throw handbags and coats and start effing and blinding and be like it's going terribly wrong <laughs> through trophy so, chairs again yeah cool. yeah <laughs> um no that's definitely not my style um I will say that like they would all definitely agree that I am super ambitious and have huge expectations but at the same time I think I'm very fair in in how I approach things and if things didn't go wrong I'd never berate someone for it I'd be like right what's our learning and how do we make sure it doesn't happen again because I know all too well from being involved on my own before the 22 people arrived the amount of issues and errors that I made do you know even like a lot of the hiring we're doing at the moment the role has never existed before so mm -hmm. I'm you know sitting on interviews being like it's an amazing opportunity but also it'll be slightly chaotic for you because there's no process involved for your role yet so you know it's 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 brilliant because you can have a clean slate to put your own stamp on it in line with obviously business expectations but you know there's no one there to show you show you how to do it necessarily um you mentioned ambition ambitious there and being ambitious and is that something you've always felt comfortable saying um, no, I think, and it's a real Irish thing. You always feel like, oh God, like mortified for myself. You know, I don't want to be big on myself or doing this, but I've kind of learned. So do you know what? There was a turning point recently where we sat down with the team and decided on our key values as a group and in general for our own culture. Um, and ambitious was one that came up. So driven and ambitious. So I feel like the fact that it's like a shared trait, I feel more confident saying it rather than being like, I'm so deadly and I'm so ambitious because... <laughs> that just sounds so odd so yeah I feel like it's a trait of the business as a whole and I feel like it's it's very you know common in any startup to have that because ultimately that's what's driving you to you might even see I've got a quote on my wall here work hard until your idols become your rivals so essentially as a business we're all driving towards that to, to no longer be viewed as a startup and be viewed bigger so but yeah you're right I would never have always felt comfortable saying that well, you said maybe it's an Irish thing. I asked from the perspective of it being a female thing of mm. am, am being ambitious and being female, not necessarily going together. Because I definitely remember the first time I felt comfortable saying it and thinking <laughs> it feels a bit weird. Yeah. But it's something I, it is part of me and I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. 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 And you could be, you could be dead right. I feel like the whole kind of female complexity, you know, I am very lucky to have worked in an industry that's very female dominant. So I've had very few experiences where we would feel or be pitched as inferior, um, mm. which I'm, you know, in a really fortunate position to be able to say that. Um, but yeah, you, you're dead right. It could be, could be part female, could be part Irish, could be part just general human. <laughs> yeah. um, on this five and a half year journey, which I'm sure is going to go on to scale some incredible heights in the future, but so far... What are you mm. most proud of? Um, do you know what? I think the most amazing thing about being in a fast-paced business is there are little wins, and don't get me wrong, all the lows as well, and quite frequently. So it kind of depends what kind of six-month phase we're in. Um, 
for me, sometimes it's like small moments. So we've currently moved office. So you've taken over the top floor and we have the bottom floor as well. And like, I walk in and I see all these rooms and all these desks and I'm like, oh my God, like I am responsible for all of these people's livelihoods. But at the same time, like how deadly is that? Like this started completely cliche on my bed, Googling fonts 101, how sculpted would look like, no graphic designer, you know, emailed a few manufacturers in Europe. Some said no, some didn't even bother replying. One said yes. And then off we went. So it, it's kind of little moments like that, that it hits you at random times. Um, we do have an in-store stockist in the UK to announce for August. And that personally is a huge goal because our business is pitched around an omni-channel approach. So being actually in-stores and also online. So we know that the in-store is really important for us. So I'm really, really excited for that um, in general for our UK presence. So yeah, there's, there's different things all the time. Um, but sometimes it's small moments like seeing a product somewhere in someone's makeup bag. Like I went to the gym yesterday morning. And there was a girl getting ready after the gym and she had a full display of sculpted. And I was like, oh, oh, Jesus, where do I look? Did so you cool. say anything? Yeah, but I was really tired and I looked um, absolutely probably unrecognizable. So I just walked out <laughs> and said, nice, nice product bag. <laughs> Wink. Like a big loser. Yeah. <laughs> No, it would be impossible not to. I was on the train once. I just had, uh, I'd just come from a cocktail reception. I was on a train and the girl next to me was looking at my Instagram. <laughs> and, so I, and I was bold enough, emboldened by a couple of glasses of champagne to go, no, it's not me. <laughs> and I do, that, actually and me. she was very gracious, but I kind of wish I hadn't. <laughs> and then did you have to spend the whole rest of the tube journey side by side? Well, she did get off at the next station. I genuinely don't know if that was her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely deliberate. <laughs> um, like I said, I've been to a cocktail reception. I was emboldened by champagne. Very okay, right. So you've talked about some of the uh, products, but who is the brand for? So, it, and it, it sounds very non-specific, but we genuinely say that we have a very elastic consumer. So we like to think, and it's you know based on feedback we get from customers that it is really a brand for all generations. And I think we champion that via our campaigns or the fact that I would share my mom a lot of the time wearing the products. So like one of the main questions I get is I'm over 50, I'm over 40, I'm over 60. What should I be doing? Really, there's not a whole pile differently that people should be doing because it comes down to preference. And I've always felt like that. I've always said, you know, there is no necessary like rule book don't get me wrong. Don't wear something super heavy underneath the eyes if you're conscious of, you know, a few lines of dehydration there because it's not going to help. But the same could go for a 30-year-old who's a new mum who's also knackered, do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it definitely comes back to my heritage back in the bridal parties of, of doing all different generations. So really wanting and needing the products to be able to suit. So ultimately we're, you know, kind of a natural brand in the sense of not piling on makeup, adding small layers, gorgeous glow, making yourself feel like a better version of you on the days that you want to wear makeup. Um, and that really applies to to all ages. So we definitely, yeah, that term elastic consumer has been said to us quite a few times. It is one <laughs> of those great. brands that it doesn't matter what you put on, you sort of pat it in and it does, it's very seamless. So as mm. much as the shading is obviously really carefully done, it's also the textures have been, and they last. It's not like those colors and textures that disappear after an hour. They do have stick and stay yeah. power well thank you for that <laughs> do you have a hero product in the range um this is always so tough I think I'd be prepared by the amount of times I get asked this in life um for me probably the biggest underdog is our bronze-based facial tan because I am a lobster skin 
that's basically red with a few uh, speckled freckles. So for me, I love having a bit of natural color, particularly on those days where I want to wear no makeup or in the season that we're in. Um, but the one I'm probably most proud of is Second Skin. That is our mineral liquid foundation and it comes in dewy or matte. And obviously for every product, I have a backstory of like the steps that had to happen before it got to market. But Second Skin launched November 2019. And I was told by so many buyers and people that I was mental to launch a foundation when the brand was so young. Because they were like, you know, people are very loyal with their foundations. They're not going to switch or convert. You're mad. You're going to lose a lot of money and put the business in jeopardy. And it is our number one best-selling SKU still to date. So that kind of sense of pride that, you know, you created a form that people trusted that they switched on to um, and still to this day use is, is pretty cool. And I know you mentioned that you're going into bricks and mortar. Yes. Uh, but what else is next that you can signpost for Sculpted by Amy fans or even people who are listening to this who are new to the brand and uh, are going to keep an eye on it? Yes. Um, so from the UK perspective, we'll have various events involved, both from a customer and general kind of launch perspective with our new bricks and mortar. Um, we're also launching into the Middle East at the end of the year in bricks and mortar there for anyone who may be listening from Dubai, etc. And I'm currently completing the registration process for the US. So that's a long haul and we're looking at the next six months. But that in itself will show you the exciting things um, happening on that side of the world. Well, I know there are lots of people who listen to this who are based in America, so please do mm-hmm. keep your eyes peeled for Sculpted by Amy hitting your stores at some point soon. Uh, and pick up, pick up Second Skin or the Bronze <laughs> or whatever else takes your fancy. Um, it's been so lovely to get to know the brand and I've, I've been using it. I'm wearing Tint and Glow today. Um, you although, look extra glowing. Well, also my I, my skin was still really hot after working out. <laughs> so I, like, I, I take about 30 minutes to come down. I go proper tomato face. It's yeah. like no joke. I had this, I had my shower and I was like, yeah, I was started putting, putting, I don't know. And then I'm looking at my skin now and I'm like, she's probably not going to hire me for a campaign. <laughs> no, I think it looks lovely. <laughs> I, anyway. Um, but the products are really lovely and they are a joy to use. And like, I've used all of them and I've used some of them together and maybe kind of <laughs> overdone it a little bit with some of them, but Actually, what was really interesting is, and the reason I'm saying that, listeners, because I got the products and I did a live and it was kind of random. I had my lights on very, very brightly and I couldn't really see. (laughs) And I essentially put like three bases on that weren't entirely necessary to use all at the same time. Do you know, I took a picture and put it on stories afterwards. It's the most I've ever been DM'd for what have you done to your skin? So I know that you were watching it going off for the love of Mike, stop (laughs) putting on my products. But the feedback I got was that looks so amazing. So I think that's real testament to the products, actually. Ah, oh, that is incredible. If you over go overboard, which I very much did, you can get a really pleasing result. And clearly it's a result that people are really into. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, that like it's those kind of small wins. And I'm like, yes, oh my God, people liked it. They used it. They did whatever. They and I loved it. I loved it. Even but I and I will, but I will be more sparing with uh, my layering of the yeah. stuff. Even, even for your own your own selves, time and <laughs> and general face. <laughs> but they are gorgeous. So I will put the links to you, your social media. I'll put the links to the social media for sculpted by Amy and the to the website in the show notes. But it's been really lovely Thank to you. chat to you about the brand and the journey. And I can't wait to see what else you you are going to do it is such a joy joining you this morning thank you for having me and for hearing part of the story and and all my rants that go with it thank you so much <laughs> come back anytime <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.